Hello and welcome to the Mournival Podcast, a Horace Heresy podcast. Hi, I'm Lyle, and I'm joined this week by Mike. Alright. And Keith. You alright? I'm alright. Yeah. How are we doing, lads? Yeah, another another episode. This yeah, year. yeah, yeah. So we're back on. Nearly called it false guards, like he did <laughs> last week. <laughs> Draw attention to how inept we are. Um, Galaxy in Flames. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up our semi-review read along with Keith. Yeah. As these segments have become known by now, uh, we <laughs> we talked about the first couple of acts of the book, so we're going to wrap up. Yeah. Just kind of. Going through the third and final act, and then some final thoughts of ours on the book, what we thought of it. Yeah. So where should we start with this? I'm the one without show notes. So anyway, like last time we we finished off, like Isfan's in virus bond. Yeah. Most of the loyalists survive though because of Tarvitz's him. That's it, Tarvitz down on the planet. Yeah. Uh, I think the remembrances are finally uh, to met up with Garen. Yeah, our three named remembrances yeah. and crews have escaped and, and met up with Garrow. Yeah. And I think that's the end of their story now, right? That's we'll pretty... pick up again with them yeah. in Flight of the Eisenstein, but basically Garrow, yeah. <coughs> they, they just disappear now. Yeah. So I think Act 3 translate. starts with, this is where the Primarchs realise the plan hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Angron... Takes it well. Does an anger on. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there's that, that bit where it's like, Soltarvitz is with the World Eaters yeah. currently, and they come out and it's like, he's like, oh, the Emperor's children never run. And he's like, you run from this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, and there's this, does he say something like this is, this is like our legion's business. Like, yeah. you don't belong here or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's like, if his children never run, he's like, you'll run from this. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this. is also the point where Horace is genuinely playing with the idea of, I know Angron's down there, but should I fire a it again? Should I get away the, with just killing Angron? Yeah, this is yeah. interesting. This will make my job easier. Yeah. Because if you, like when you get further on some of the novels, it's like how he treats Mm-hmm. His views on other Primarchs, and this just proves his view on what Angron... He's a tool. Yeah. But then he was... Uh, that's the problem. Like, Angron was only ever a tool to the Emperor. Yeah. We're getting into bigger yeah. other, other books and yeah. stuff, but, but that, that's... I don't see any difference in how... No. But, yeah, it's interesting that he weighs that up, and he's like... Yeah. Probably... Oh, I probably should. Can't fight the whole world eaters legion as well yeah like okay well yeah okay fine but horace being horace like he he turns it to his advantage yeah like he's gonna blood everyone like there's yeah. no going back now um, he, he, he so sees... virus bombing is like impersonal right yeah this is like you're gonna go down there eye to eye and fucking kill your brothers kill yeah. your brothers yeah. yeah yeah um and i mean he, he makes sure that uh, certain ones go down, like Luke Cederego gets sent mm-hmm. down to make sure that he's on his side. Um, what's it? Uh, Targost gets mm-hmm. sent down as well. You know, people that like to go and absolutely massacre him. Yeah. Um, it's interesting the sort of division uh, between the legions here. Like, like I-, I love that whole thing of Angron, like, 
because I, I said last episode, there's this implication that he just randomly picked yeah. his sons to sacrifice. It didn't really mean anything to him. It's almost yeah. like he, there is a vibe that he's wanted to give them an honourable death as yeah. well. It isn't just, I'm pissed off and I'm going down there. It's yeah. like, they're my sons and they deserve this. Yeah. Um, it's like, if anyone's going to kill them, it's going to be me. Yeah, yeah. Horus plays it like Horus, as we yeah. said. He, how do I turn everything here to my advantage? Eidolon is fucking desperate for the... <laughs> it's like, notice me, daddy. You know? Yeah. Like, he... Fucks up all these attacks. Uh, like <laughs> this is it. Is that, does he fuck him up, or is um, Sultavius an actual genius and should have been? I think it's a combination of both. Because I mean, the whole thing with the other books is like you're never going to amount to nothing. You're, yeah. You are just a line officer, but yet he held off one of Fulgrim's chosen. Part of Tarvitz's genius, though is knowing who he's up against and how to play that. Yeah. Because he knows that Eidolon is so desperate to stand out amongst yeah, the three Primarchs. as well, because I turn around going, this is Formation Falcon or something, yeah. so this is what they're going to do. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, Eidolon is kind of just doing his set plans. Yeah. Tavis can see it coming going, right, okay, that means this, this, so I've got to do that and that to counter it. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the thing. I mean, you look at um, Eidolon and he's he seems to be so regimented in a set way of fighting it's that arrogance of perfection yeah. it's yeah. the thing that's taking over the legion isn't it yeah. like our victories are preordained we have yeah. the correct way to fight all of that yeah, yeah. so yeah I, th- I think maybe Tarvitz um, didn't have the potential to be uh, one of the chosen in the crusade yeah but when it comes to analysing what's happened to his legion and Eidolon yeah. and how to counter that, these genius things exactly. comes to the fore. Like, yeah. yeah. This is also the and point as well where you can see Lucius being pissed off that he's got to be in two seconds. Yeah. 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 That, and he's to blame. So, this is that. your fault. Your reason I'm here. Yeah. I, I love how pissed off he gets with yeah. that. Yeah. I think that's, that's brilliant. And I think that's the bit where, I think we said it in the last episode, the bit where you're not too sure where he would sway mm. to all of a sudden like, yeah, you are currently outshining one that was handpicked to become one yeah. of the Fulgrim's chosen. Yeah, yeah. You are now outshining me. No one outshines me. And that's, that's interesting that um, it wasn't blind loyalty to his prime arc. It wasn't the quest for perfection. It's, this is it. We always say this thing about how chaos gets in and it's always, yeah. it can be the, the subtlest thing. Like it's his friendship with Saul. Yeah. twisted against his his uh, ego or whatever yeah. that is that like opening for him yeah because I mean like even if you like listen to the bits that I've said from the other characters it's always without Tarvitz it's like we would have failed without Tarvitz doing this fantastic job yeah like Loken and, and what yeah. I even say that, don't know, like, he really comes to the fore here yeah um, the, as, a, as an aside the interesting thing is that the Death Guard just Fighting their own yeah. little thing. Every once in a while, it's like more mortar shells go off over there. Yeah. And you're like, oh, there's a few more Death Guard left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, even that, that seems quite characteristic <laughs> of Mortarion. It's, yeah. It's like private little war. Um, that, that's, that just seems to be their, their thing. They're kind of uh, outcasts. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. it gets to show show that they are the, yeah, they are legionaries, but they're not part of us. They're, yeah, yeah. They're something else. They're, they're yeah. a different breed. That was interesting. Talking about the Death Guard has reminded me, I don't think we wrapped up what happened to the Titan crew. Because I think that probably happens at the end of Act 2. Yeah. Um, where and I've got a feeling it's actually in the start of third. Because doesn't 3 start like six months later or whatever? And they're like, oh, yeah, like, they're coming again. Yeah, three, <laughs> three or six months. Yeah, because there is the point where the oh, Titan yeah, crew... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Titan crew get ordered to fire on the Death Guard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like... Well, they get ordered to fire, and it's like there's no one to fire there's at. There's nothing there. And yeah. it's like, no, you're firing on the Death Guard. Yeah. They're the only ones there. Yeah. You're there to your own And that's where the big argument between uh, the main princeps and Titus Kassar. Is it Kassar? I never know which one's which. But yeah, yeah. it's the princeps. I, I always, Jernet, is it? Uh, yeah, what's his name? Yeah. Um, I always I always remember Titus Kassar because he's Titan. Basically, his name is Titan. <laughs> you know, he's such an obvious name. <laughs> and the other guy is Jonah, right? Yeah, Jonah Arukin. Yeah. So Jonah's the ambitious one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, ever since he stepped on his first Titan, he's always wanted to be like the main princess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which I think is brilliant. So I think, I think that, like... We're jumping back here, obviously, but I think this was a cool scene to wrap up. This is a brilliant scene. It's another one you don't see. Of characters coming. I wasn't that bothered about, yeah. but yeah, yeah, with Jonah, there's this thing of like, which way are you gonna go? And Titus is constantly yeah. like, oh, but you've seen miracles, and uh. he's like, I'm not sure what I see. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. To be honest, I wasn't even sure if I was sober at the time. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been key. Yeah. I mean, it's just that point where you got the uh, princess spewing crap that you know is. Just you know, like, you know he's the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. You've got someone that's being religious and kind of going, "Look, this is the right thing to do. We can win this. We we are winning this." And then Jonah just fires a shot, and you're like, "Well, it's obvious he's shot. It's, it's obvious he's he shot the bad guy." <laughs> I can't if it. That's not if we know yeah. which side the Legio Mortis is yeah. on. <laughs> Again, is that the, yeah. the geekier you are about the Horus Heresy, there could be no tension in this book. But yeah. it's a good scene anyway. It's like, brilliant. Yeah. Like, yeah. if it cuts and comes back to it later on, or if it just um, gasses, whatever it is, just slides down. But mm. it's, it is brilliant. Because you just don't see it coming. Yeah. I I actually quite enjoyed their part in the book. Yeah. Um, it was a bit part, but I yeah. enjoyed the whole... Yeah, yeah. The whole thing with the fanatical and the one that's like, I'm not too sure. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I could never quite get over the feeling that they were there because the DSRI is in what, Graham McNeil's yeah. 40k book, and it's a bit yeah. like Ben right. Count was like, what am I going to do with them? Like, yeah. yeah, but okay, fairly well resolved, actually. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's a nice tie-up, and it's, it's more satisfying than a lot of the yeah. tie-ups in this book for reasons yeah. we'll get onto in the end, but yes. yeah, so cool. Um, that was a weird detour. Where are we up to? Yeah, uh, so where, where we're up to, um, uh, Lucius decides to turn on Soltarvitz, mm-hmm. and he kills uh, an Empress Chaplain, right? Yeah, Chaplain yeah. uh, oh, Chalmosis. Yeah. Yeah. This is quite a cool bit, because it, it wasn't framed as, I'm turning you now. 
He's just seen an adversary and gone, I am taking you. I yeah. know you. You, yeah, you are yeah, one yeah, of Emperor's yeah. children. Yeah. Uh, Fulgrim's chosen yeah. and I'm yeah like and the, this is the point the reveal is that he's after Lucius is an outsider the he's a loyalist thing, right? yeah. but yeah yeah. yeah. You, you could believe all of a sudden Lucius has picked a side and he's gone loyalist yeah yeah and then you find out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no I I quite enjoyed the, the fight and I quite enjoyed the description of how he he fought the, the chaplain fights from his mace mm. how slow something like that yeah, is yeah. compared to Lucius he's Swords. Yeah. Because I think at one point he, he starts accusing him of not being worthy of being a chosen. Like, I yeah. am worthy. How am I not chosen? Yeah. It's just, it is a brilliant scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that kind of wraps up that bit. He gets the, the comms. Yeah, he decapitates him, doesn't he? Yeah. He's after the, yeah. the, the a helmet that will have yeah. an, open link. an open link to the command channels. Yeah. yeah. He gets away with it with everybody else. Everybody else kind of looks at him and goes, "Oh, it's that creepy Lucius is playing somebody's head." Yeah. You also need something. Just need some plans. Yeah, yeah. And actually, <laughs> and then we kind of. Was put... it a bad idea to make hundreds of thousands of post-human sociopaths? <laughs> 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 Debatable. <laughs> um. And then we go back to the Sons of Horus bit. Mm-hmm. Go over to the Sons of Horus side. And we see a, what could have potentially been an epic fight. Yeah, this had this had potential to be a brilliant scene. Completely un, ununderstandable of why the hell it happened. But a brilliant scene in like a film or something. This could yeah. be so good. And then what happened? Oh, yeah. It's... There's a, there's a lot of um, characterization coming into this. You're absolutely right. It would fit very well in a film. Um, we, so we're going to have to talk about the big problem here, which is that there's four characters to mourn about in the showdown. We, we know which ones can and can't die. Um, mm-hmm. Who has plot armor? Uh, so I'm pretty sure one of them is in 40k <laughs> yeah I heard rumours about that yeah. <laughs> and that gives you an issue the moment you, you've got two characters that somehow break out their own lines break through the enemy lines and then go meet to the specific place mm-hmm. you know one of them has to survive yeah to be fair I don't know exactly how to say this it, yeah. the issue here is that, that Tarek is fucked because he's not our protagonist. Yeah, yeah, he's got little Horus is being set up as the guy who's going to have a change of heart at this point in the books. Yeah, which is why he's the one who kills Tarek but has a moment of doubt, and then at but the also, end of the book is abandoned, to... saying, "Oh, I'll have to keep an eye on him." Yeah, and again, the meta of this story changed and became much bigger, and they changed little yeah. Horus's character afterwards. But that's what they were doing. Yeah, Loken was obviously supposed to survive and be our protagonist for the rest of the story when he comes back, yeah, which yeah. is why they don't bother to cut his head off. They just like leave him in some rubble yeah. and then yeah. you don't really get like, well, any payoff to... That, that's the thing. I mean, it wasn't like he got left in rubble, wasn't it? It was the, the Titan the come Titan first. The Titan kicked the, the place down. Yeah. yeah, and they just see him under, under the rubble and just... Well, we oh, going to be dead. Yeah. Like, no one can survive that. <laughs> I think the first time you go into this book, you, you get to that point, you go, well, Tarek's obviously, he's dead. There's no much there. He's <laughs> got to die. 
um, Aximund is going to be the the loyalist. Uh, they get somebody down, they kill somebody, and then oh no, Abaddon, Abaddon's. Yeah. But yeah. When it happens and both traitors survive and both loyalists are seemingly killed, you go oh well okay right. It, it's cool to see main characters die, but you know I thought they'd be a bit closer. Than this. <laughs> you know what I think makes it worse is you get for me a really unsatisfactory ending there with Loken. And then you get literally the same thing yeah. with Saul Tarbitz. Yeah. Um, where <laughs> he dies two years later at a Forge World Open Day where someone asks a question of someone from Black Library <laughs> and they go, oh, no, he's dead. But yeah. He doesn't die on, on camera. There's no meaning to it. There's no yeah. final showdown. And it is literally the same thing as Loken, but they were just like... One of these we can bring back. The other one will probably just don't worry about it. I yeah. like a little bit of that in 40k where you do have characters that can just die off camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does. Yeah. It's yeah. taking away the glory and the that sort of stuff where you do, you do as a, a Warhammer player kind of get this built up that death and glory and all this stuff. And I yeah, agree. It's not. It's sad. It's depressing. I it's, do agree. And I like that, but to then have one of them come back a few books later is a bit kind of it happens to in this care. really in the same way to both of our main protagonists yeah. though I just find it's, that really it's too cool. much in one go yeah combined with all the rest of these characters Lucius we see the thing with Khan as well which is a bit of a weird scene yeah. um, when he confronts Tarek and, and Loken on the way to their boss yeah. fight yeah um, I feel about that yeah and he's gone like full berserker, but then he just gets like impaled on a rhino's bulldozer. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> that's. But he's again, okay. he's okay. he is Khan. We know there's no tension here. We know he survives. Yes, yeah, I've got that. Yeah. Um, there's there's too many characters that are either preserved in ten thousand years of Warhammer lore, or yeah, don't have a satisfactory ending. Yeah. Um, that I just don't know what to do with all this. This, to me, is the big letdown of the book. But this is the problem they had going in, that when you've got named characters that you know survive, it's mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? Because you can't put them in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Well, no, well, sort of serious jeopardy, because you know they're going to survive, or they got to survive somehow. So they, they've done the best of what they could do. I, I, actually, I actually agree that I think he did the best with what mm. he could do, with, with those three characters in particular. Um Especially Lucius, because we see uh, his whole arc in that book of, of maybe going one way or the other and yeah. how that pans out. Um, he has a kind of bullshitty showdown with Tarvit, where he's suddenly able to like outrun Bolters as well. Yeah. Uh, which it's a little bit of Matrix. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. Matrix, isn't it? <laughs> Again, that's another one where it feels like that was designed to be part of a film. Well, there's, mm. there's a couple of bits in this book where you go, that is a film scene. That's not a novel, yeah. that's a film scene. Yeah. yeah. Give a few bits of CGI and this would be epic. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what he was planning, is to write the, the script for uh, the Horace Heresy of the movie. I'd watch that. And I think it'd be a TV series. TV series would be better. Game of Thrones. Yeah, like, yeah Game of Thrones style. I, I think it would be cool to see certain novels made into standalone films. Uh, a TV show, I think, in the end, would annoy everyone. Yeah. Well, we've got Eisenhorn, I think, coming out of a TV show. That's a great choice. Yeah, this great. is full of space Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I've, 
I would say that the heresy would have to be a movie style. I would like to see, um, way off topic now, but yes. I would like to see something like Nemesis as a... Yeah. I don't know if you've read that, like the assassin I've, thing. Yeah, I've read something bits like that. Of that it's yeah. very... It's, it's action-orientated, but the start's quite psychological, and it's a self-contained story with mostly yeah. human characters. That's what I think you should make a movie um, yeah. of this from. But yeah. Yeah. Um, that was quite tangible. It was massive, yeah. massive. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Act three of the book. Yes. I've, I've just been giving out about how there's no satisfactory ending to it and that as well. What I should do is praise... Uh, what I like about this act, which is conveying the sense of, um, for everyone, the loyalist left on Istvan, as hopeless as this is, it may even be meaningless uh, yeah. in the end if word hasn't got out and, and Saul thinks like, God, I fucking hope that Nathaniel made it out to yeah. Yeah. Um But the, the symbolic act of we're going to fucking make you work for this. Like, yeah. Um, what it means to them to just cling in there another day, yeah. another week, and, and just bleed the War Master, that comes across really well. I Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, if we, we've gone through most of the book, most of the key p- bits. Um, let me start talking about our, our views, and I, I have to agree that is... I really do like this book. You love this one, didn't you? You said that all along when yeah. we talked about starting these segments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the one that has kind of made me want to, made me want to do a Sons of Horus Army. Um, is the campaign that is kind of from like book one, and then reading these books that I've I've seen as wanting to portray. Mm. I just I just love it. It is pure bolt upon for a good portion of it. But I, I feel like it's pure bottle porn. But I was gonna say it's bottle porn, but it does have a story behind why yeah, it's happening. Yeah. It isn't just there for the sake of it being. It's not there. just then he jumped out of a flaming this, that, or the other. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And kicked a warhound type to death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, Which I mean, those books are out there. Yeah, yeah they, they, they do exist. Yeah. <laughs> there are some black library books where you just read and you go, "This is dire." And there are very, the whole very few things that dire. I cannot. Like keep going with, and it has happened a few times yeah. in Black Library. Like, yeah. um, and that is just a tasting. I know I'm a pretentious twat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna disagree. <laughs> no one disagrees. <laughs> um, you got your place. That's the important thing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this book just has everything that kind of gets my juices flowing. Except uh, space walls. Except space walls. Yeah. What's your guys? Views, you can decide which one of you guys go first. I think for me, this book was the one where there was the most fake memories in my head of what happened in this book. Right. So in my head, there's this bit where when they start calling themselves the Lunar Wolves because we're not Sons of Horus anymore. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I had a mental image and repainted their armor, and I think it was one of those things where I've, I've basically got in my notes that. Right. I was going to be really upset that where the hell is this paint coming from? I, I, I was going to say, <laughs> say about this because you're not the only one that has said, said this about this book. A few people I've heard say it and I'm like, you're in the middle of a battlefield being assaulted every couple of hours. 
Where the fuck would you find time to repaint your armour? Yeah. Do you know what I think it might be? There's a bit at the, right at the end when the Titans are finally able to come back in because the dust is out of the atmosphere and everything, yeah. right? And they're, they're fucked. Like this, they yeah. know it's the last hand. Everyone's going to die. Doesn't Saul or someone look around <laughs> and all every, like all four like legions, their armors, the plate is completely covered, covered in the in dust. So it yeah. says like there are no more... Um, Sons of Horus or Emperor's Children yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Is, is, uh, is some weird misremembering of that scene? I think it's a distinct memory. Because I, rem- I, I kind of remember that as well, yeah. yeah. It's really odd. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I, I've heard it numerous times. I'm like, yeah. it, just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Even for yeah. a 30k novel, that mm. just wouldn't make I've sense. I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen people paint their... Um, Istvan armies with lunar walls mm. and then Empress Jordan yeah. stuff. I know they like deface the Eye of Horus yeah. and stuff like that, right? But yeah. yeah, but it's different to actually repainting your repainting armor. Repainting your armor. It's, it's not one. It's just one of the things that I think <laughs> I've read a couple of bits of time. Unless like, Horus sent this. down a third of all the like artifices yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, and a drop pod of paint. Yeah. Just, I've just had. <laughs> This weird image of like Garvey or Logan just sitting there with like a Wings and Newton paintbrush. Just yeah, painting yeah, yeah. His <laughs> <laughs> do, do freehand for he's like, oh shit, I fucked up the moon for the little like, side. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, There's something else as well. I think it was in my head. I I've forgotten about how kind of the world eaters basically getting themselves killed off really early on, and there's none of them left. And then I think the Death, Eagle, Death Guard basically don't come back either. They do their own thing for the whole yeah. book. Mm. In my head, it was a much more mixed loyalist force. And it's there, not... There is focus... There are others there. Yeah, there's the old yeah. guy. focus but... in this trilogy has always been Sons of Horus primarily with a big wedge of Emperor's Children, yeah. mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, one thing we didn't mention, I believe Mortarion comes down as well. Because I always thought it was he, just... Yeah. He, Angron came down to the planet. He was the only Primarch, but... Yeah. Rereading it, yeah, Mortarion came down for the Death Guard. Yeah, I think we yeah. kind of skipped that he came, he landed as well. Yes, there's there's really cool uh, information about that. I know this isn't what the episode's about. There's really cool information about that in book like Forge World's book one, mm. um, Betrayal. Yeah, um, and there was it was actually like a mutiny in one of the Death Guard's artillery companies, <laughs> and they start like shelling Mortarion <laughs> and stuff. Like, yeah, there's some cool stuff in there. Uh, but yeah, he was definitely there. I yeah. think that's where Alan Bly really showed his thing, is that he could take this book, which this whole trilogy, to be fair, is a little bit of a mess at times, mm-hmm. and, he, and just kind of go, right, no, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether the Black Lightning uh, books don't quite make sense, it's just because they haven't explained that bit well enough, or they're, yeah. they're telling a story, it's, not the engagement. Yeah. yeah, it's that. And then obviously that, book one and number two is a solid... This is the war. Well, that that's that's what a lot of people say is that these are the the Horus Heresy books are the story of the heresy, hmm. and the way that the Black books are done, they are the historical novel, like yeah. historical. Yeah, well, there's a historical record. One of my favourite yeah. things about them is like any history, Adam Blyer understood that the fake writer who yeah. wasn't Alan Bly who wrote them yeah. had his own biases and, yeah. and, and yeah. losses and like lack of sources on certain things and stuff. So there's like debates and, and different takes yeah. and things in there. Fake histories are one of my like 
big yeah. geek things like George R. R. Martin's fake history of Westeros is fucking incredible yeah. for the same yeah. reason it's written yes. by a maester so you have to think about what his biases are while you're yeah. reading it yeah. but anyway I digress again ADB does say similar as well where he sort of says the novels can be wrong because it's mm. a story from somebody's perspective so yeah. they could be misremembering or telling yeah. obvious lies to make themselves look better yeah. so there can be things between novels you go that no one minute Yes, and still be correct. A um, which is a pretty way to get a novel problems. set in the Second World War is necessarily different to a history of the Second yeah. World War, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that can happen on the level of the author, perhaps like smudging things, or the people in the in yeah. the story have a different. Yeah. 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 Back to your views on the. the book. Uh, did you have anything else to? No, that's kind of. It. I, I, I genuinely I love this book, and going back and rereading it reminded me that yeah, I love this book. Second one. You ruined for me, but the third one you haven't been able to touch. <laughs> um, and yeah, I will still talk favourably about. I this book. I still there's there's a, you know I've covered a lot of what I liked and didn't like uh, mm. while we were talking. I I still have very like fond memories of this one, especially compared to book two. I don't think yeah. it stands up to book one, but that's we've yeah. talked about that's different, different tastes yeah. as well. Um, rereading it for this, if if there's I don't want to end on a negative, but if there if there is a way for right. me to what yeah what what I reconsidered was that I always preferred this to False Gods, but this is less ambitious than False Gods. It is yeah. Act One, Act Two, Act Gwen Three. Really had a bigger setup, job to do. action, end, and the end really is quite poor. So given that McNeil, as you say, had the bigger job to do, um, he had to pick up characters, get them from the point. Uh, that our like prologue has got us to deposit them at Istvan with character development all the way in the middle. I don't think he did it particularly well. We covered this, yeah. But it's a harder job to do than Ben Counter had. Having said that, this is still a good book. Yeah, it's, it still stands up. What What about all three of them as a trilogy? I know that you have your views on that. You don't feel it's a these three books yeah yeah i mean it, like it, it but, just is as well like that yeah. um um do you think you you was happy that you got the the beginning middle and the end of this or yes and no i i, I personally have always felt it was a bit weird to have three different authors write a trilogy mm-hmm. um it may have been better to just run with one author tell this story, like plan your character arcs, how this is all going to come together. It is still a set of three very enjoyable books, by and large, with flaws like any book. And yeah, no, I, I've waffled a lot to say, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy that we had a beginning, middle and end here. I think for me, I when I first got decided sort of Christmas in like 2017 that I was going to do Heresy in 2018, mm. And the first thing I did was obviously order models and read this opening trilogy. And then I read them again pretty late in 2018. And then it's rereading them again sort of mid to late 2019 for the third time in like two years. And they, they're readable. They're really readable. Yeah, they're yeah, not. yeah definitely. That many times in two years, I was tired of them. Mm. But you still get half of your third book and you're like, this is still brilliant. I'm still enjoying this. Three was a lot easier to... Uh, just yeah, power the second book was the one, third time rounds, especially we'd already talked about it beforehand, and it was kind yeah. of a yeah, this is a struggle, this one. Mm-hmm. But that's the third time in two years, mm. um, with the negatives pointed out. 
in a yeah. way that yeah, I yeah. hadn't necessarily done it myself. Mm. But I am now looking forward to going to something a bit fresher. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say these are the only books other than uh, like Prospero Burns or something like that that I have read multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm going to be a bit of a downer because I'm not a big Dan Abnett fan. So I no, felt... I, I don't know how to deal with that information. Yeah. I, I felt there was bits in uh, Horace Horizon that didn't need to be in there. There's... I feel that false gods um i think he made a difficult job even more difficult for himself yeah yeah i absolutely agree with that um i I think he just he just tried to overdevelop characters that didn't need to be overdeveloped Mm -hmm. um but galaxy and flames i really did enjoy i felt it kept kept it simple the ending could have been better, um, but I felt he kept the story simple, he kept the characters simple, and he got where he needed to end up to be. And, you know, I, I agree, like, we keep the characters simple, keep the story, that, that's definitely what's going on here, but when we have these discussions, you delve into it, like, they're not all one note characters like i think we really hit on this thing with with saul and lucius but that's probably just because yeah. we ended up talking about that there's probably yeah. other examples that you can really I mean, that's that's why i don't think it's necessarily just baltimore on this book no i mean i'm not saying like um i i wouldn't say that he just kept them all one note it was just more like he didn't go for anything flamboyant with mm-hmm. it, where i mm-hmm. felt in the other books, they tried to make the characters more than what they actually were. I think McNeil introduced way too many in mm-hmm. book two. Didn't give a fuck about Petronella Bivar. Didn't give a fuck about the Titan crew. I know you guys have fond oh, memories of them, one. but um, didn't but, give a fuck about Magard. Like, yep. I did just, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel them characters, they ended up with... I mean, I enjoyed what happened with the Titan crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But things like Magar and Vivar and all that, yeah, they weren't, they, they wasn't needed. Mm. At the same time when he had to carry a lot yeah. of characters that um, come through. I think he could have been Maybe used. I have a blind spot. Maybe I need to read Horus Rising <laughs> again and think about why this is shit. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it's the standout one to me. But, yeah, I'm just, the other way, just, I find Dan Avenue books, um... Don't say anything you're going to regret. No. <laughs> because I, I know a lot of people are fans of Dan Avenue. I always find them a struggle to get into, mm-hmm. but once I'm into them, they're, they're good books. And I, I then understand why the beginning happened. Mm-hmm. Um... I mean, it's. I would say it was like the same situation that I had with Game of Thrones. The first season and a half, I found that a real struggle to watch. Once I got past that, the rest of it was just fucking brilliant. Until yeah. last series. Yeah. Hot take. Yeah. It was shit yeah. for at least three seasons before that, but we don't have time for this. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we, it is looking a lot like we don't have time for that. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I think but, for you, the only Abnet books you've read have been heresy books, haven't they? Yeah. So I think it might be worth, I know Keith don't read, but trying to get you into like, ghosts and things like that, where his writing style is completely different. I think it's because it's yeah. so different. Mm. That, um, mm. uh, but I have read a couple of Dan Abnett Doctor Who books. And I, I, I liked them? Or? I liked them. I mean, for me, I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan. Yeah, yeah. So it was just like... Sorry. This, is, this is this is not going to work. No, it was just... <laughs> going to alienate more <laughs> here. No, um, no I, I read them because there was something different. Yeah. I mean, I was brought up... like My, my mum loved Doctor Who, so I was brought up on Doctor Who. It's just something that's never... Yeah, that's fair. Mm. Mm. I don't understand it, but it's fair. Mate, I'm, Star Trek, it's like that. It was my... One big geeky passion when I was younger. Still one of my big geeky passions. Yeah. Um, I mean, up until like uh, I moved out of my parents' house, I probably had about 40 Star Trek books that I've actually, I actually read. Cool. So. What Doctor Who ones was it that you read? I'm getting off, well off tangent here. I can't remember. Was it the one that was with the War Doctor? I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I can't, to be honest, I can't remember. I know that I read them because I had to buy, I, I didn't have to, I was buying one for myself and I bought one for the old GW manager at that time um, because he got he signed by Dan Abney when he went to the Farrick store. That's cool. So. Yeah, no, that's just curious. It's, it's interesting to see what people do and don't read um, to get an insight of how they then take certain books. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that was what I turned in, sorry. <laughs> I dare you. Actually, sorry, not sorry. No, no fucking tangents on this episode, <laughs> mate. We are concise and professional <laughs> to a team. Um, I guess that's it, really. Like, yeah. we'll wrap this up. Um, we're going to keep on going with reading with Keith. Yeah. This is fast becoming one of my favourite segments. Yeah. <laughs> um, this and Amiga Codex I could just do that forever I don't yeah. want to talk about what I've been painting because I haven't been painting anything <laughs> <laughs> this is why I hobby to talk about this shit um, so yeah I, uh, Mike you, you really want to keep going and see I want to go in there. order yeah I, I don't want to skip books even Furious Abyss <laughs> I'm, I'm going to reread that and I'm not going to be happy about it I'd love it if Mike just ended up lo- like loving Furious Abyss like, honestly oh, I want to not realised how rich it was yeah. <laughs> if I come back and that happens I will be pleased but cool. I think it's going to be the one where I'm going to spend the whole book apologising for being negative and but we, we all have our opinions yeah. I think books. Abyss is going to end up quite a negative circle jab like we might be able to do that in one episode you never know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> especially proven advisory at the beginning <laughs> Uh, so I guess the next one by definition is Flight of the Eisenstein yeah cool um, that wraps so. up your trilogy as well yeah yeah although can we count Fulgrim into that I'm the full in a sense I think the first five kind yeah. of go together yeah. but Fulgrim is definitely is the what, yeah. what I remember of Fulgrim because I read bits of it there's certain bits that really interest me um, actually bits that include the remembrances which they don't normally interest me in mm. other mm-hmm. books mm-hmm. so yeah looking forward to getting to that one but we get flight 
Yeah, like, we're done with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got so. a bit of a debate about the Miranda that's in foreground. Okay. So that's going to be interesting. Anyway. Right. Way, so, way ahead of ourselves. Stuff yeah. to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right. That's probably us for this week, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thanks for this then. See you later. See you later. See you later. Thanks for listening to the More of All podcast. If you would like to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can always email us on podcast at themorneofall30k.com.